What's up, Halo fam? Halo Joe here. Just wanted to thank each and every one of you for checking out this new episode. Make sure to keep it tuned here to Halos in the Infields Baseball Network all season long as we drop content every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure to crack the like button and leave a comment. Make sure you also smash that bell icon to be notified every time we drop an episode or go live. Also, check us out on our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. We can also be found on Apple Pod, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave that five-star review. Thank you again, Halo fam, and with that, let's get this show on the road. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Halos in the Infield. My name is Fernando, joined here by our friend, everyone's favorite, Mr. Catella Chronicles himself, Dominic Lorenz. Dom, how you doing? What's going on, Fernando? Doing well. Angels are playing well for now. Hopefully that continues. And uh, Ducks have a new head coach. I know you're a big hockey fan. I know of the Coyotes, but uh, there's there's some hockey news in the offseason thus far. So us at Catella Chronicles, we are very thrilled about that. Yeah, for anybody who wants some Ducks coverage and like some Angels coverage as well, well, Catella Chronicles is your, your place. We're super happy to have them under the Halos in the infield um, umbrella. We've loved our partnership with them. And what we're on the topic of partnership with Catella Chronicles, tomorrow, I, so actually today when you guys are listening to this, if you're listening at the day of release, Dominic, Todd, and myself, will be hosting a live stream. Dominic is going to be our play-by-play guy. It's what he does best. It's kind of his thing, if you will. <laughs> He's really good at doing it. Love giving him the platform to do it, and I know he enjoys flourishing in the limelight. Um, I, I know. Where's the paparazzi? Where's the cameras? Tell Say those sweet nothings in my ear once again. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, we're feeding the ego here. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> you got to pump your friends up. You got to yeah. pump them up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You got to pump your friends up and let the world drag them down. But that's, <laughs> that's how it works. That's yeah, how exactly. <laughs> that's what friends are for, you know, so that they can build. I got, I got friends in low places as Garth Brooks once said. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, guys, make sure to check that out. Um, so Dominic will be hosting the pregame show. Um, and then Todd will be joining. Uh, Dominic's going to be doing the play by play. Todd and I will be doing some caller commentary and then we'll see Dominic always seems to have something up his sleeve for guests. We'll see if he has anything planned. You know, we'll see how it goes. It'll be my first time in the Todd Fox studios. So that's going to be a nice little introduction and just kind of being in that atmosphere that Todd's created for not only for Halos in the infield, but for his post game show as well. So getting everything situated, but we will have the pregame. We will have the play by play. We will have the post game show you know, the game's on Apple TV, so you if you have Apple TV, put it on so you can watch it because, you know, legally we can't show you the game on YouTube and do everything at once. But have the game on, put it on mute. We love our, our good friend Wayne Randazzo, but he gets muted for the night just a little bit. And uh, come, come to the YouTube channel, the Halos in the Infield YouTube channel. We want your questions. We want your commentary. We want everything you guys have. Bring it onto the YouTube channel for myself, Todd, and Fernando all night long. We're going to have a rip-roaring fun of a time. Last year, we did this. It started off good. 
and then it wasn't good when the Angels lost to the Astros, but uh, we had a great time. We want to do it again, and hopefully this is the first of many for the remainder of the 2023 season. Yeah, definitely an iconic moment, just having uh, Michael Lorenzen's mom just sit there and just, (laughs) man, the shellacking was happening. The shellacking was happening, but she took it like a champ, and I I, I I tip my cap to her, and let's not forget I predicted Shohei's homer that first inning, literally the pitch before. I said, I think he could get a hold of a 3-2 pitch, and there it went. Dominic (laughs) channeling his inner Patrick O'Neill. I feel a homer coming, except you were right. Patrick O'Neill says something completely <laughs> off. <laughs> I, you know, I just find myself to be a genius sometimes. And again, what do we just talk about? Build the ego up a little bit. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're a genius or you're a jackass. Luckily, in that case, it worked out. So, you know, you can play the genius card. Thank you. Thank you. I take that in stride. Yeah. So this is going to be our first time dipping the toe in the water. You know, uh, Dominic has concluded his baseball season for commentating. So maybe we'll be able to do a couple of these streams before he starts his next endeavor. But uh, perhaps it'll be in every Friday night, maybe a lot more Friday nights, because I know a lot of our fans don't like patio. So maybe this can be our, our dip the toe in the water. Does it work? Can it work? And if we get the success, I'm hoping to. Maybe we can do it a couple other Fridays to save the fans. Absolutely. We're looking forward to doing it. Let's, you know, it's a trial run tomorrow. Again, we'll do it if the fans want it. So come on out, do your thing. And we get very lucky this time around. Shohei Otani on the bump against Luis Castillo for the Mariners. We have a primetime pitching matchup on Friday night. Otani was supposed to pitch, as you're listening to this podcast, technically yesterday against the Cubs in the finale. But hey, he gets bumped today. We get him for Apple TV live stream for us. You know, what more can you ask for a little bit? You get some in-depth Otani coverage. So I'm guessing to foreshadow a little bit, there'll be some conversation of what should the Angels do with Otani by the end of the trade deadline or this year? You know, that'll be a prime topic of conversation from now until whenever the hammer drops. Yeah, absolutely. I'm already mentally prepared for him to leave. That way it won't hurt when it happens. You know, you know, that's a lot of people. It happens. David and I talked about that in, in our in our podcast earlier this week. And did you uh, did. It's it's a very I know this isn't how we wanted to start off the podcast with Otani, but to to dip the toe in, as we already said once, it's mm-hmm. a very convoluted situation. There's, you know, ten ways to Sunday you can see this situation going, and it could be very fruitful, it could be very damaging. You know, it's a beauty's in the eye of the beholder sometimes. And I can see the conversation of if you keep Otani. Yes, that's great for PR, marketing, and fan purposes, but it could hamstring the franchise money-wise. But if you let them go, it's a PR nightmare. Mm-hmm. But you can take that three, four, five, six hundred million dollars that he'll get and put that into three or four high-priced players in the next free agent or the following free agent class. So a lot of situations that can be taken in that scenario if you're Perry Manassian and the Angels. You know, um, you're right. we're already going on this. So so let's keep the ball rolling. You know what? Let's talk Otani. Let's dive into it. it. Okay. You know what? But before we do that, let's get the yard work out of the way. Make sure to follow Halos in the infield on all of our social media. Make sure to check out our sponsors over at 714 Tickets. If you need tickets to a game and you don't want to pay those pesky fees. Dominic, do you like paying fees for tickets? I like paying for beer, but not fees. There you go. There you go. And if we can avoid already getting the money for the beer, even better. So I know how we can do that. But like I was saying, 714 tickets, use the code HITTY 
H-I-T-I for 10% off. You can use that code again and again. You just keep on going. The good times never end. And at 714 Tickets, we'll see you at whatever event. They have tickets all over the country for any event you could possibly think of. And if you want a beer, like Dominic said, but you don't want to give your money, your hard-earned cash to Artie Moreno, head on over to Noble Ale Works. They have some great local brews close to the stadium. Mention Halos in the infield for some drink specials. And you can leave your car there and walk to the stadium. And you don't have to give Artie $20. Dominic, where can our fans and, of course, the listeners of our podcast who don't already know about Catella Chronicles find you guys? Well, you can find us on our website with all in-depth articles. I haven't been doing that as much lately, but we're going to be getting to it now that I have some time over the summer. www.catellachronicles.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. And the fun thing about our website is you go to the little tab on our website that says podcast. You can get every single podcast we have ever done since the inception of Catella Chronicles from last May. So check that out. We have two episodes that came out technically this past weekend slash this week. One with guest host uh, Todd Fox himself. And then myself and David Goodkind back together for part two of episode 16, which was perfectly named Philosophy for the Great Leader of the Angels, Phil Nevin. Absolutely, our fearless leader. Yeah, the last article you guys put out was about the duck season. And then uh, you don't have to go too far till you see Brett Phillips' shiny face. Yeah, I know. It's been, <laughs> it, it's been a hot second. I can, I can tell you right now, there'll probably be an in-depth article about the new Ducks head coach, Greg Cronin, coming up soon. And then probably as we get to mid-June to probably the end of June, you're going to get that halfway through the season type of article of where the Angels are at, what could be happening, and probably what we're going to talk about right now, this entire Otani situation that is going to be a big topic. And I know, of course, Halos in the infield fans, check on out those articles. And I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody under the heating umbrella, whenever they want to write something, you guys are more than welcome to come on out. We need your guys' voices too, and it's always great to get your side of the equation as well. So let's talk real quick, since we're on the topic of Otani, about the latest podcast that Dominic and David did. So David brought up a very good point, and uh, Dominic uh, regurgitated his uh, his agreement on the situation. So it seems like we're going to have a real ripple here in the, in the fan base. Now, obviously, if we continue to win, nobody's going to want to trade Otani because this is our last guaranteed shot with him. So if we're in a situation where the Angels are still truly contending, then obviously we're all going to want to hold on to Otani. But let's just say things go sour. And we're now, you know, 10 to 12 games out of the division, which isn't far-fetched right now because Texas is playing well. Houston is playing well. And Seattle is starting to slowly heat up a little bit. We may be at that next week in that four-game series against Texas if we, as, exactly. as, the, young, as the young folks say, F around and find out. Yeah, exactly. We can be yeah. cooked, you know, and we're still not even at the halfway point of the season, folks. But with that being said, come the trade deadline, the Angels might still be over 500 and might still be at about 10 games out because these other teams are playing so well. And Texas was not supposed to be the first place team. Say what you want about, oh, I thought they were going to be good. Nobody saw this team being in first place and continuing to stiff arm Houston. Houston's getting hot. Well, guess what? Texas is right there with them. They're not backing off. Even with DeGrom. 
even exactly. with Jacob DeGrom being out for the out majority for the of the year, Tommy John surgery, their pitching staff has picked things up. And that's, you know, you saw it firsthand when you were at the Rangers-Mariners game over the weekend. Mm-hmm. They throttled them easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even close. It was a – they murdered them that entire series. I think the first game was somewhat close. And then the second game was 16-1 to until the last inning. <laughs> They started to threaten a little bit, turned into 16 to 6. Guys, I love baseball. You guys know that. But that was one of the most boring games I've ever been to. 16 to 1, that's not a fun game to attend. Even if the Angels were winning 16 to 1, they'd be like, all right, this, this sucks, you know? Yeah. You're waiting for an outfielder to pitch or a pitcher to hit. You're waiting for something crazy like that. Exactly. To yeah, I mean, you go to a baseball game to be entertained, right? You want to watch a good game. Like, I want to watch yeah. a 5 to 3 game. Uh, you know, I want to watch a one-one game, a pitcher's duel. Like that's that's fun baseball to me. Don't tell, don't tell my brain and heart that because you know I'll I'll need a couple bottles of Pepto Bismol with me, especially with our Angel team. Uh, those <laughs> five-three games are very, you know, I'll take a couple sixteen to three games with our Angels every every once in a while. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so my point with all of this is, you guys started talking about the fact that if this goes really south the Angels should consider an Otani trade. Now, David said that there's no way Artie agrees to an Otani trade, and of course that's true. There's no way in hell that Otani is going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Now, is that the smart baseball move if the Angels are truly out of contention? Absolutely. And that's where I said we're going to have a ripple in our fan base. You're going to have the Angel fans who are like, okay, it's time to move on. We need to get something for him. He's not coming back. And then you're going to have the Otani fans who are like, nope, we can't get rid of this guy. This is our guy. It's a, like I said, it's a very convoluted situation. You have damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. And it's a catch 22. It's a catch 22. No matter how you look at it, the Angels are going to find themselves on the wrong side of this, like the Angels typically do. And even if we yep. think the Angels are in the right, everybody else in the media is going to say the Angels are wrong because everybody no, knows. No, they've been the one pushing it for years. Exactly. And Otani is okay, he's a generational player. He's an extremely terrific hitter, pitcher, yada, yada, yada. We all know this. We're not going to bloviate it anymore. Is he having some struggles this year, especially on the mound? Yes, over his last seven starts, he has an ERA over five. That's not great for any pitcher who's going into a contract season. So for the Angel fans right now, because he's still a member of this team, he needs to clean it up a little bit. He can't be the ace of the staff of the five ERA. He can't have that. But He's a generational talent that can afford some dips in the road, but got to figure them out every once in a while. So with that in mind, when you look at Otani's trajectory, hitting or pitching, what truly is Otani's trajectory? Because is this, is this pitching decline or is it just a bump in the road? His hitting, he's never been a hitting for average kind of guy. He's never been a 320 average. He's a power guy that drives and runs, doubles, but he also strikes out a lot. So you have to weigh the good and the bad with Shohei Otani and really say, is he worth four to $600 million, whatever he gets in comparison to taking that four to $600 million and putting it towards three or four other potential players. For me, that money could go to two starters, a power bat or a a, a utility bat or a good offensive production bat and a nice legit bullpen piece to complement what we have now, like the Estevez, the Joyce, the Matt Moore, the Davinsky, so on and so forth. So that's where the conversation lies. 
And we know the angels luck at the end of the day, whichever way it happens, the angels will be the butt side of the joke at the end of the day. Yeah. The, the toughest thing here. And the thing, one of the biggest things that stood out to me that David said during that was the simple fact that it hasn't worked with Otani yet. Yeah, it's true. The, the angel he's been around since 2018. Okay. 2018. He was a rookie. That's when he had his Tommy John surgery, right? Because he, you know, he, he tore the ligament in his arm had Tommy John surgery. 19 was kind of a wash because of that. He was just a batter. 2020, he was horrendous. And COVID. And COVID. 2021, and 2020, they tried having him pitch, what, two games, right? And he had an infinity ERA? Yeah, the first game against Oakland was bad, and then another, like, a third of an inning type appearance. And it was just, you saw they needed to take that extra time to just they already knew yeah. COVID was going to F everything up. So just why, if we happen to get in the playoffs during COVID without Otani as a pitcher, well, that's Great. just sheer dumb luck of the draw. And of course, the Angels didn't. Yeah. In 2021, he had the best year of his career, won the MVP. 2022, should have won the MVP, but Aaron Judge did something that people have seen before. And for whatever reason, he won the MVP. Go figure. Yeah. Um, so the point there is we have seen. An average Otani his rookie year, a subpar Otani for two years, and then two great years of Otani. And right now, dare I say, where we currently sit right now, he's average again. And and not I a say- stellar pitcher like he's capable yes. of being, mm-hmm. and certainly not hitting the cover off the ball like he's capable of being. He's an above average batter right now, and he's a number three type of pitcher where we currently sit. Now, the only asterisk to that statement is an average or subpar Otani year is a great year for normal players. You know, just like we talk about Mike Trout, a Mike Trout 300 average, 35 home runs, 110 RBIs for Mike Trout, which is Mike Trout being Mike Trout, is somebody else's potentially career year. So it's almost in a sense at times comparing apples to oranges a little bit, especially when you have two generational type players on the roster for the last five plus years. So it's, it's a little funny to be talking about it in this connotation, but the angels have standards. And I know I say that very lightly as already Moreno is still our owner. And (laughs) I say that our fair, uh, yeah, I almost said Lord and savior, but he hasn't saved anything except money recently, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, you have Trout and Otani and, and like David said in our earlier podcast, what have the Angels have done with two generational players on the same level, minus the COVID year, because we all kind of got jacked from that? Not really much. You lost a year with Trout. You lost a year with Otani. So really, two and a half years of Trout and Otani's teammates shipped together has been lost because they've had injuries. So what do we really have with these two players? That's the odd thing. They've been here for a while, but calculate all the games that they've played together and compare it to the games when they're not in the lineup. It's a, it's again, convoluted is a real definitional word that can be used for this situation. Yeah. You know, there's some advanced stats out there that show that this team is, for instance, when Mike Trout's hurt, our record without Mike Trout is almost the same as it has been throughout his career. Yeah. You know, and there's no disrespect to Mike Trout. That's just, the numbers are there. Yeah. You know, when, and- he, when he is hurt, we're the same kind of team. Uh, really, the biggest issue with Otani's pitching this year, 
He's throwing the sweeper nearly 42% of the time. It's his main pitch. How often do you ever see a breaking pitch as someone's main pitch? Now, the only thing I can think of is maybe he's trying to put less strain on his arm and, you know, fastballs and overusing the fastball, especially a guy like him who's pumping nearly triple digits consistently or, you know, high 90s consistently. You're going to put a lot more strain on your arm than a breaking sweeper. Problem is, he keeps leaving the sweeper just down in the middle part of the plate Bell for righties. High. Yep, and they keep taking yeah. advantage of it. Look at the hot zones. Well, if you t- if you take a look, and, and as a baseball traditionalist and as a broadcaster, the word sweeper bugs the crap out of me. It's not yeah. a pitch. Your pitches are fastball, slider, curveball, changeup, circle change, knuckleball, yada, yada, yada. A sweeper is not a pitch. A sweeper is a nickname for – what is a – like – I know they talk about it, but what is the definition? Like what it's a combination of a slider breaking ball type situation. I think the ball breaks a certain way. So you have like a 12, six curveball, you know, where the ball drops, but a yeah. sweeper has a lot more side to side movement. Yeah. So it's almost like a, 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 almost like a slur in a way it's that sliding curve action a little bit that takes a little bit, something off the pitch. Which so, also breaks the question that then what's the difference between a knuckle curve then? Because a knuckle curve used to be the same thing, except, you know, if gripping the ball with two fingers this way, you're not gripping yeah. it with two knuckles that way, which who throws knuckle curves anymore? R.A. Dickey was probably one of the last ones that did it. And I think there was a, a righty for the Boston Red Sox back in the day that did it a couple of times. But knuckle balls are a thing of the past. But the sweeper, I feel it's just a throw around word that just, I think, sounds sexy. Like, oh, he threw a sweeper. Like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I know slurve is not the greatest of words. So that's just me being picky as a broadcaster and I digress, but the sweeper for Shohei Otani, it's all about placement at this point. And he's not, he's almost aiming it instead of throwing it. And you hear that all the time with little league, high school, college, stop aiming the ball where you want it to go. Just let the natural progression work on your mechanics and it'll come around. It will do, if you have proper mechanics, it will happen. It, 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 it's just, it's science. It will happen. And I think he's trying to be too fine right now. Otani is being too fine with that pitch. And I think he's just trying to force it in a way where it's like, it won't go the way I want it, but maybe I'll just twist it, twist it, do something else. And it's not working. You're hardly, you're not seeing him use the splitter as much as he has been in that past. And the splitter is just nasty. I would prefer him to get beat by the splitter than continue to get beat by the sweeper right now. No doubt about it. He's only thrown the splitter 7% of the time this year. And normally that pitch is closer to his third most used pitch. So right now it goes sweeper, fastball, cutter, sinker, split, and his least used pitch is the curveball. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna call BS on this. Not BS on your the numbers that you're throwing up, but I'm calling BS on the whole situation. And I, honestly, hot take here. I'm calling BS on Shohei a little bit because for him to only throw the splitter 7% of the time is absolute freaking ridiculous. That splitter, we've talked about it for the last three years, 2021 and at least the last two years for sure, when we were saying he should have some Cy Young votes, maybe not win, but get the votes, his MVP candidacy, especially last year when his pitching was so dominant, even through the losing streak and everything else. That splitter is one of the nastiest splitters in baseball. And you're only going to go 7%. He, and I, and this can angle into another conversation that I'll pose you the question. I definitely am on the, on the side that 
Otani needs to stop calling his own games. And I think he, in his brain, the sweeper's going to work. I'm going to create this new pitch or do this new thing. Go back to the splitter and your, your, your fastball works just as effectively too. When your splitter works, they're going to, you're going to bust their leg up a little bit with a nice fastball grease in the outside corner part of the plate. It, it, it should be simple math here. Yeah, I, I take a real issue with the sweeper being used so heavily here. I mean, one of the biggest things that you have to do as a baseball player, especially of Otani's caliber, is adjust. Baseball is a game of adjustments. And at some point, you would think he would start to realize, man, this sweeper is starting to get hit around, man. And it really is. He's been He's been getting lit up. I mean, I believe you guys brought it up in that show that um, he has an ERA of, what, over five, his last couple starts combined? His last seven starts combined, which includes the last start against Houston, a 5.07 ERA. And he was Not- at sub one at some point, correct? Yeah, he was at sub one, and he was uh, teetering around the 220s before the Astros start, and then the start before that was the Marlins start. And I, I'm blanking on what the start was beforehand in that sense. But it hasn't been great over the last couple of starts. And for me, being the nerdy broadcaster I am, I'm going to definitely look up these stats. But yes, that over five-year ran the last seven games is not – you that, that can't continue if you're the supposed ace in stat. Every ace goes through a slump. Max Scherzer's gone through a slump. Verlander's gone through a slump. Garrett Cole goes through a slump. Clayton Kershaw goes through a slump. Everybody does, and that's fine. But it's those in-game adjustments that are going to make the biggest difference. We've seen the Angels offense do it over the last couple of days against the Cubs. But now it's Otani's turn to do it on the bump. Yeah. Now, one of the things I'll say to start slowly getting us to our point on this particular Otani conversation. If we're in a situation where the Angels have an opportunity to sign Shohei Otani, the real question starts to begin, is it worth it? And the reason why I say that isn't because Shohei Otani is not going to be worth the contract for the first year or two. Because like you said, when this man is healthy, he's the best player in baseball. I don't think you can really dispute it. He's for sure the most talented player in baseball. You can't even pretend to to disagree with that. But what I will say is we've had him for five years now, haven't won anything. It's only going to get worse now because he's going to be getting a bigger contract. If you have a situation where Otani, Trout, and Rendon are combining for 120 to $130 million combined, you're not winning anything. You're not going to win anything. Why? Because Rendon's hurt an awful lot, okay? The part of his career that includes Rendon being healthy is over. I'm not going to say yet that the part of his career where Rendon is effective is over yet. We're kind of trending in that direction because we've yet to see a fully healthy Rendon for a substantial period of time where he is consistently helping the team through his ability to stay on the field. And that's something that some players don't, or some listeners don't understand. It's not even always about performing on the field. It's about being available for your teammates. And we started to see some leadership qualities show with Anthony Rendon. He spoke to the media, said some pretty, some stuff I like to hear about trying to kickstart this team, you know, we need to win at least 15 games, guys. We'll get to 90 wins, sometimes 16 or 17 games a month. That's the kind of stuff you want to hear coming from a man who's supposed to be the leader. Yeah. 
It, it's 100% correct. Now, the, the thing about Anthony Rendon, I don't want to digress too much up the topic, but it's something uh, I've read a lot. And you know, I've been a very big proponent about this since Catella Chronicles and Heaty and, and throughout my life, as or at least Rendon's contract life with the Angels, I've said from the beginning. He balances his batting lineup. And regardless if he goes 0 for 4, he can knock in a sack fly. He drives and runs. The opposing pitchers, starters or bullpen, have to pitch to this Angels lineup differently when Rendon is in the lineup. When he's hitting fourth, after Trout, before Renfro or Drury or Otani or whatever the lineup is that day for Phil Philosophy Nevin, it has to be put into question. I don't care if Rendon is in an 0 for 25 slide. He could break out, and I'm not saying he's going to break out with 25, like Michael Stefanik's doing at AAA with 60-plus games consecutively, getting on base. But he can make a difference in this game, and he will put the ball in play and will do something right. It's almost like Gio Rochelle has been all season for the Angels. So when you have him in the lineup, it balances, it elongates that lineup, and it makes the opposing team do something different. And it allows uh, uh, other players like Otani and Trout, Ward, you name it, to get different pitch selections, which they can then execute and create bigger things to happen. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but look at when the, when Rendon's in the lineup versus when Rendon is not in the lineup. It is two polar opposite stats. Yeah, you know, he, he's still good at getting on base. He's still good at commanding strikes to be thrown because he will get on base. He's still very capable of getting singles. You know, I think the slugging percentage numbers being down, unfortunately, I don't think that's going, that's a coincidence. No. Maybe he lost his power. And for anyone who's like, well, he's not supposed to be a power hitter. This is a guy who was hitting 25 plus home runs a year in Washington. I didn't exactly expect that every year here in Anaheim. And we don't need that here in Anaheim. We simply need him to be an above average defender. We need him to lead by example. When and if the Angels make the playoffs, we need him to show the young guys the ropes because he's won a World Series run. Yes. And we need him to get on base. When you boil your only task down to one thing as an offensive player, it's get on base. A single, a double, RBIs, home runs, those things are great. Those things are sexy, if you will. But your only job as a baseball player offensively is to get on base. Make sure you check out our sponsor over at 714 Tickets. They take pride in providing their customers with transparent pricing and excellent service. With 714 tickets, you don't have to worry about hidden fees or surprises at checkout. The price you see is the price you pay. Plus, their team is dedicated to ensuring that you have the best shopping experience possible. And as a special thank you, they're offering a 10% discount on your purchase as well as entering you in a drawing for a free Halo's jersey. Also, 5% cash back on your purchase. Only when you use the promotional code Heaty at checkout. That's H-I-T-I Heaty. Get ready to shop with confidence and discover great deals today over at 714 Tickets. Give the guy behind you the opportunity. Yes, Billy Bean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. But does he but, get on base? But does he get on base? It, it, it's 100% true. And Rendon's a big key to this Angels puzzle right now to get them over the hump. And I, and like you said, I like he's been vocal. I like that he has really taken the reins. And I know Trout is a leader on this team, but he's kind of a soft-spoken leader. He's not going to be out there shaking players and telling them, you got to do that. No. Yeah. Rendon seems like he'd be the guy. But again, 
they're not this angel team really doesn't have a guy that you're going to see on TV in the dugout going at somebody consistently. It's going to be, we're going to take care of our business inside and figure it out. But Rendon plays a key into this whole Shohei Otani thing. Again, it's a very deep situation because, as you said, is Otani worth the amount of money? And what's he going to be at the back end of that contract? For me personally, I don't think, and and this is not a, his talent, just the situation, his age, and futuristic things. And, you know, the Angels have been burned with bad contracts before. I think, honestly, Shohei Otani is no more than a $400 million man. And honestly, perfectly honest, he's not going to get a 10-year deal because he's older. He's approaching 30. Um, I'd say he's more of a, I don't know how, uh, math is not great for me right now, but I would say six-year, six to seven-year deal, three to 350. That boils down to about more than 20, 30, what's that, 40 million? Oh, it's more than 40. I don't know. Something, something, no more, he's no more than 35 to 40 million a year. And honestly, I still think that's too much. And that's not against Shohei. I'm just looking at it purely from a money and where he will be by the end of the contract. Give him, I don't know, five, five to seven years for 300 million and call it a day. That's fair based on performance. Let me see. I'm trying to think here what I'm thinking. And I know, Even at cal- four times 40 is 160. So I yeah, mean, so if it's a, a three hundred million divided by seven years, that'd be about forty two point eight million a year. That's a that's outrageous. Yeah. Like that's outrageous. And, and keep in mind, like, Trout's making what 30, 32? thirty two. Yeah, and Rendon's making thirty eight. So I mean, you're... yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I can't see anybody overpassing those two guys. Like thirty million a year should be enough, but seven for two ten for Shohei Otani. That sounds like he ain't gonna take that. Now, the one thing is, thank God he's not a Boris Klein, because then the Angels would definitely be out on that one. Oh, God. Yeah. It, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Shohei Otani. I'm sure we're going to talk plenty uh, plenty more about it. So let's Absolutely. move on now to our next topic. Uh, let's talk real quick about Joe Adele coming up, okay? So not only did the Angels decide to call up Joe Adele, which was a little surprising to me. I understand that Renfro went to the paternity list, but that only gets you, I believe, three days. Uh, as of the reports today, Renfro will be back in the lineup Saturday night. Okay. So very, very, very short potential sample size for Joe Adele, unless for whatever reason, they're going to either send down Ward, which Ward's starting to slowly heat up, so I don't see that happening. So unless they decide they're going to send down Mickey Moniak, which may or may not get Perry, an angry mob outside of his window. But if that's not the case, why waste an option calling up Joe Adele? Now, I understand you needed to replace him with somebody, but if that's the case, really you use what's Joe Adele's potential last option? Maybe he's got one more left. I, I'd have to look into that. But I don't think this was his last option because that would have been a big headline at this point. He's okay. probably got a few left, not much. Well, you only got three options. So 2020 counts, right? Yeah, but they sent him down last year, didn't they? Yeah. I believe they did. Yeah, I don't know if 2021 counts because he got hurt and he was on the 60 day. Yeah, so that won't count. So I'm going to say he's he's got less than three because sometimes it depends on the amount of service time you have. 
yeah. that dips in because how do you think um Berea and Suarez have gone up back and forth a zillion times back in the last couple of years so I would say the my theory is and everybody knows I've I, I've been out on Joe Adele his home run tonight was very nice that was great that was a piss that, missile <laughs> that was a bit, are we giving Swilly credit on that one piss missile I saw that yeah. on Twitter. I saw her tweet, and I mean, I've heard the term "piss missile" before, but hey, that was she was that right. Was a, that was a good and one, and that was a and that was a high fastball above oh, the yeah. zone piss missile. So that was hilarious. But uh, my theory in this, I've been out on him, and I've been on the boat, and I I have absolutely said this on record, and I have not retracted it. I'm I'm out on him, but I'm not out on him as a person. I want him to prove me wrong. Make me eat crow because that means he's doing what he needs to be doing. A 278 average and leading minor league baseball with 18 home runs. I'm not saying the power numbers have to be there, but if he can hit 278 and have an uh, over 800 OPS, give me that and 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 basic technique defense in the outfield. And remember, he's only 24 years old. So, give me that. I think theory-wise behind this I think there's something brewing because I don't think you call Joe Adele up for two days and send him back down to AAA. Hunter Renfro's not going anywhere. It's not like they're going to DFA him. Taylor Ward's not going anywhere. Moniac would be the first person, and I hate to say it, but he, you don't want to send a good thing down. But Moniac, I know, has more options probably than Adele does. So you have a little bit of a benefit there. But here comes in question, is Jared Walsh the guy that gets sent down? Get some excess work. You have Urshela over at first. Does that create a situation that can open? Because the, right now the Angels have a, a a carousel of infielders, and they now have five outfielders on the roster when Renfro comes back. Something something has to give. Not you can't have five outfielders in a game. No, no, you cannot. So, but this is good. The Angels have a logjam for once. Yeah, a Something positive. we're not used to. A, a positive logjam. I mean, normally, yeah. the logjam is just mediocrity with guys like Jose Rojas and, uh, you know. Jack Phil Mayfield. And Jack Mayfield. Yeah, Squiddy Poo. Exactly. So, at least now, there's legitimate options. I mean, you're in a situation where you're having to find at-bats for a very hot Gio Rochella. You know, Brandon Drury's been starting to hit a lot better over the last month. Matt Dice is doing well. Mickey Moniak's getting benched when he's on fire. So realistically, there's some good position battles happening. Yeah, and it's it's hard to see Mickey Moniak sit when he's hot or when Thice, you know, he yes, he's a catcher. He's got to swap because Wallet catches some good games. Yeah, of course. But then you have, like last night, seeing Gio Urshela, who leads the team in batting average over 306, have to sit for a night. It's hard to see that. But in the in the case of the Angels outfield right now, there have been some nights, and with Joe Adele being here now, Moniac, everybody hitting well, there could be a case where if they're all hot, Mike Trout should have the off night because he's not batting well. You could have Adele, Moniac, and Ward. But oh. the gates would be crawling with fanfire if Trout doesn't play. So you're in a pinch situation, and the Angels lose their DH because Shohei Otani. And again, if Phil Nevin sits Shohei Otani for a game and he's not pitching and he's not hitting, uh, oh my gosh! Arms. You know you're get, yeah. So everybody's up in arms. So you're kind of again 
damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. And these young kids are going to have to sit every once in a while. But is that hurting them in the long run of sitting instead of playing at AAA and continuing to get reps and continue to get hot? Who knows? Yeah, that's another argument, too, for the whole, like, maybe the Angels shouldn't resign Otani thing this offseason. Because, you know, hey, Trout's only going to get older. Trout's only going to need to be off his feet a lot more. I mean, you know, that just can, that just happens naturally when and you Anthony, get older. And Rendon, if he's healthy, can play the DH role. I Sidebar on this, you could agree or disagree. Gio Rochella deserves a contract extension with the Angels. Gio Rochella's certainly earned a, a three-year contract, I believe, with somebody. Hopefully it is the Angels. But uh, the Angels have to find a legitimate spot for him. I really think, you know, I don't know what the the leash is on Jared Walsh. I know the health issues that he had this spring is not fun. And, you know, we all hope a speedy recovery if he's still going through it or whenever he goes through it again. You know, all the best work. He's been nothing but a professional through this whole process when he's going through the highs of highs and the lows of lows. He's just a genuine, fun Good guy. To be you around. cheer for him. You cheer for him. And his defense has still been legit this year at first base. It's the bat that is now becoming in question if it's everything that's going on or if he is having that downward trajectory. So it's variant. Drury's still got another year. Zach Neto came up faster than we thought, and he's defensively been great. I know the bat's probably not where he wants it to be, but he is still – he is the shortstop of the future for the Angels, and we see the fans getting excited about this. So Gio Rochella, could he be a first baseman of the future? And Walsh – you know, I forget Walsh's contract. He doesn't have a full contract yet. So he could be, hey, go down to AAA and recreate your whole game once again. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'm would. i hoping that Walsh can heat up because if he does, I think he's a trade chip. I really do. You know, he, he has an all-star game under his belt. Perhaps if he gets just hot enough, you can pair him with somebody and you can get rid of him while he has a little bit of trade value. Yeah. Then we could talk about Gio Rochella maybe resigning a two-year deal, third-year option, or a third three-year deal with the fourth-year option. Because I believe he's 31 right now. Yes. Gio Rochella, as I look right here, PS breaking news, Angels have swept away the Cubs by the final of three to one. Grab your brooms. Brand, grab your brooms. We're on a four-game winning streak. And Texas lost and Houston lost today. We're going streaking. We're going streaking. Only seven games back. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Gio Urshela, age 31, uh, uh, at the end of tonight's game, a 304 average with two dingers and 24 runs batted in and a 717 OPS. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see him in the ballpark of a three year deal. I'd say probably about 12 to 15 a year. Yeah, three for 30, no more than three for 36 or two years with a third-year option because of the age. you got Drury for another year, so it'd be nice to have somebody a little bit longer if they don't bring back Drury, who's had a, you know, batting 140 at the end of April, and then that Oakland series revitalized and now batting again over 250. So I love both of those players. They both deserve, you know, good contracts. Do you think that Drury's doing okay? He's a potential trade chip with one year left. Like if you can get something in return, maybe a maybe a bullpen arm. No, I I, I honestly think I think he's somebody. I don't want to say untouchable, but I think they gave him a two year deal for a reason. 
and he's that utility guy. He could play first, second, and the outfield. Now, I know the Angels don't need extra outfielders right now, but <laughs> it's always good to have somebody in a weird case situation. But I think Brandon Drury is, is a guy that I, I, I don't think would get traded. I think Renfro could be a trade chip if the Angels are sellers because he is a free agent at the end of the year. Mm. He is a nice offensive bat. We've seen him in the postseason before with Tampa Bay, Milwaukee, and he does well. He could be, I think, out of the one-year guys, and Gio Rochella could be that guy. But I would, I would ship Renfro. I would go Renfro and Renfro Rochella because of the one-year deals, and then Drury would be the last one. Okay, so yeah. let's talk bullpen before we talk Cup Series, and then you know we go to a slow wrap-up. What? One thing before we continue about Joe Adele for a quick second, it just snapped into my mind. Mm-hmm. Home run tonight, Angels win with him in the lineup. Uh, the question is for you. If on Saturday when we wake up and the Angels get to the ballpark and they make the announcement Renfro is back on the active roster, in your core, what is the corresponding move? Is it Adele to AAA? Is it Moniac to AAA? Or is it another answer well let's see who do we have for infield depth right now off the bench i know they just sent down soto yeah so, so right we have renhifo have... coming up the bench yeah it'd be rendon at third netto at short drury second walsh first then you have urshela renhifo as your backup infielder so there's two okay now now renhifo has been playing a little bit of everywhere so I would personally send him down, but of course, as I say that, this series, he's been actually doing okay. So that doesn't work out. So is Wal- like I said, is Walsh the odd man out? What In your gut, what do you think is the move? I mean, the smart move at the current moment would be Walsh because, you know, everyone's going to be like, well, you're an idiot, man. I mean, send Adele back. But the thing is, you wasted the opportunity to give Adele a, a shot here. Because a lot of people are saying, well, this is an audition for a trade. Okay. Yeah, that's sure. if it that's, is great. that's not a bad take. And you might absolutely be right. But, I mean, two games, that's not an audition for a trade. No, and it's tough because let's say Walsh is the corresponding <clears throat> move. Huh? You're going to have five outfielders for three spots. And let's be real. Trout's not exiting the starting lineup unless it's that one day a month off day. Yeah. Renfro, they traded him for a reason. He'll be in there. And, you know, they do have a favoritism towards Ward and nothing against Ward, but you're basically having three players circulate the left field slot. Or, as we saw the night, Joe Adele is in right field. So is Trout in center, Moniak is Ward's backup, and Adele is, is Renfro's backup. But Moniak and Adele both need playing time. It just, it's, I, I don't get, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I think that Joe Adele still belongs in AAA. I still think he needs a little bit of time to cook. But, I mean, for whatever reason, they're giving him a chance right now. In Ward's last seven games, he's batting 345. So, yeah. Ward again, is starting to heat up. Yeah. So, again, does somebody go play a different spot? Like, I, I really can't... wish a guy like Mickey Moniak could learn how to play first base. Or Taylor you know, Ward could play first base. Yeah. Now, Taylor Ward used to be a third baseman. So, he was drafted as a catcher. They moved him to third base. He started playing the outfield. So, I mean, first base isn't uh, – I can't imagine it's a horrible transition to third base. 
from third base. No, and again, it opens one outfield spot, but that's not three. You know, it again, what's the theme of this episode so far with Otani and this? It's a convoluted situation here. It's yeah, weird. Perry has some tough choices to make, which is good, which is good. There is actually some legitimate hard choices to make right now because that means that guys are performing. And obviously, I'm not throwing Adele yet on the list of guys who are performing. It was one solid game. Yeah. But, you know, why waste an opportunity of even bringing him up here in the first place? If Adele can do what Moniac's done through the first month since he's been here or been back, then we can have that conversation of, okay, is this the right trajectory? And we can circle back, back to this conversation. Let's say by the All-Star break. If Adele stays to the All-Star break and he performs, then we can have that conversation. Well, then the conversation really is, do we trade him? <laughs> yeah, at that point. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's talk bullpen. And then we'll, I, like I said, wrap up with the Cup Series. So bullpen. Do you like right now the youth movement that's taking place? Yes. What do you like so far out of Ben Joyce? <laughs> yeah, easy answer. And what do you like out of what you've seen out of Sam Bachman? Now, the big thing with both, they both lack controls, uh, control at various times. Yeah. Now, they've been able to work their way through it, which is good. That's what you want to see out of a young guy. Both these guys very clearly have potential. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, what is your very early impression of these two? Well, first things first, I love Perry and even Phil Nevin. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to praise Phil Nevin here for a moment for putting all these young guys in a trial by fire situation. And that includes Zach Neto into that mix. Neto, Joyce, Bachman, and I know technically he's not a young guy, but let's throw Thice into the mix because Thice was not drafted as a catcher. And when Oha- and even Ohapi, before he got hurt, happy opening day, Ohapi's our catcher. So to put all these young guys in a trial by fire situation and they are taking the bull by the horns and maybe not, you know, being goat level status, but they're doing what they need to do and they're making exciting and they're contributing either offensively, defensively, or on the mound in a good way. For Ben Joyce to start things off, I think we were wanting him to be here. I know we were all on the kind of train of let's give him more time to marinate a little bit. We'll see it in August, September. He's been fantastic. The the velocity, you can't, what more can you say about the velocity he's bringing to the table right now? It's it's absolutely fantastic to see. It was great when he struck out Otuve on three pitches, send that shrimp down. It, it, it was really good. Yes, the lack of controls there. He's one year removed from college ball. I think that will come with the territory, but I think giving him the challenge of facing major league hitters one year removed from college than just dominating the double a level he can do that all day long i know the walks were high but we got to remember the ball the baseballs are a little bit different at the minor league level especially in double a than they are in the majors so i could see him thrive at double a all day but that's not going to help him after you know let's say 30 scoreless innings of work okay that's just second nature now but now you're playing against the dansby swansons the jose altuves the jordan alvarez's go out and get these guys and with the one little flub up he had over the weekend, three of his four appearances had been fantastic, and he picked up his first major league win. So I'm good with Joyce in the back end of the bullpen, and it goes along and the same lines as Sam Bachman. I don't think Bachman will stay. I think at some point he'll go back down, potentially if Suarez comes back, or especially 
especially when Matt Moore comes back. I think Bachman goes back down. He's still got more work because he's supposed to be a starter. But yes. could he be that long middle relief guy that we hope Chris Rodriguez was going to be? I know Rodriguez is still hurt and, and the jury's still out on him based on how he recovers. Um, but in, in the grand scheme of things right now, keep him up. I love what I see. And they have no fear. That's what all of these guys coming up from AA Rocket City this year have been about. They absolutely have zero fear. And the veteran players, Trout, Otani, Rendon, Ward, they all see that. And they kind of thrive off that if you don't see it already. Yeah, I love the mentality that Ben Joyce clearly has up there. It's, here it is, you know what I'm throwing, come and hit it. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes, unfortunately, when you throw in a 105-mile-an-hour fastball and that's your bread and butter, you know what? You're throwing it hard, so when somebody makes contact, what's going to happen? It's going to go over the wall. That's how it goes, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, that's what happens. These guys are major league hitters. Some of them are capable of catching up to 105-mile-an-hour fastball, but that's when the breaking pitches come in handy. Yeah. So he'll learn that with a little yeah. bit of trial and error, but trial by fire is how it's going to be with Ben Joyce. Sam Bachman has has had a lot more control issues than Ben Joyce has, but yes. overall his ERA is still pretty good. So I like that he's been able to limit the damage and he's proven that he's not far away from being a consistent major leaguer. I'm not ready to put him in pen yet as a major leaguer. I don't think it's time no. for that yet. I don't even think it's time to put Ben Joyce's name in pen yet. You know, we're starting to get there with him. I think he's closer than Sam Bachman, but the difference is Sam Bachman's going to be expected to go, you know, three innings sometimes as a, as a guy who might be able to bridge the gap and maybe a starter gets bumped out in the fourth inning. You might need Bachman to get you to the sixth, the seventh inning. And yeah. I think he can excel in that road uh, in that role. So he'll need to be worked out a little bit. But, you know, Ben Joyce, his role is to come out here in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning and, you know, give you a hold. Yeah, and 104 miles an hour, 102, 103 that he's flashed already looks a lot different than an 86-mile-an-hour changeup painted on the black on the outside corner. So to utilize that and to utilize the off-speed stuff is going to be huge for Ben Joyce. That can make him even deadly. He could – Ben Joyce has the opportunity here to be what a role as Chapman was in his heyday with Cincinnati. This, this is the type of pitcher that can really get that job done. And we all say he's the closer of the future for the angels. If Estevez is a Steves and somehow they resign him or whatever the situation is with the Steves, because well, he, he has is, one year left, I believe after this year, he has one year left. So forward thinking a little bit, if Estevez is the closer and he, it, it, it seems he is the closer that isn't changing right now. He's got, He's almost, I believe, I want to say tops in the American League and in saves to this point. I have to look right now on the box score if he got the save tonight. He did save number 16 on the year for Estevez. Um, Ben Joyce is a setup guy, and then you go to Estevez. Why not? And then if there's a problem, you can flip them. They are interchangeable. Absolutely. Or remember, because Mr. Philosophy likes to have bullpen A and bullpen B. Maybe Ben Joyce earned some trust to be the closer for bullpen B. Yeah, who knows what the case may be in it. If it works out that way and they both thrive in eighth and ninth situations, I'm not going to say no to it. As long as they execute, I'm cool with it. Then throw in Chris Davinsky, who's been a fantastic, I don't want to say surprise. Pleasant surprise. 
I don't want to well, pleasant surprise. Yes. I don't want to say too, because he's been there, done that before with the Houston Astros, but knowing that he started at triple A and he was kind of revitalizing the last year and a half with Houston wasn't great for him. So to come out and really be absolute lockdown solid and you know, what else are you going to get from a Cal State Fullerton guy? Of course, he's going to be locked down solid, you know. Yeah, you Kurt know, Suzuki favorite... wants to have a chat conversation with you. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I'm not trying to be favoritism, go Titans. But Chris Davinsky getting on in there and doing his work, it, it, it's fantastic. So right now, with the bullpen that the Angels have currently, they have a lockdown 7-8-9 guy right now. And that's – we. when was the last time we could say it was a lockdown 7-8-9? Probably since – April of last year when Loop was the real Loop, Tapera was the real Tapera, and Iglesias was Iglesias when we thought for a moment like we might have found the next bullpen trifecta. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could throw it back into the day of Scott Shields, K-Rod, Troy Percival, throwing Brendan Donnelly in there. There, there's some there's some remnants in there for the Angels. So back into the bullpen, I'm absolutely Content, happy, having Berea in the starting rotation, plucking him out of the bullpen has been an absolute masterful piece of work. Yeah, um, he's been a godsend. You know, the Angels pitching of the last two weeks, with the exclusion of a starter named Reed Detmers, Patrick Sandoval, basically every any starter but Jaime Berea right now, everything but has been fantastic. The other four starters have been the problem. Yeah. And a lot of the time it's one bad inning. Tyler Anderson on Tuesday, one bad inning. Berea last night, one bad inning. Detmers tonight, one bad inning. You know, the Angels are always that team that has one bad moment that wrecks a whole game. But luckily the offense the last three days, courtesy of the sweep to the Cubs, um, has bounced back and been able to get their business done. So that's a perfect segue there. Let's talk about the games that we just encountered with the Cubs. So game one, it was a 7-4 Angels win. Game two, 6-2 Angels win. And game three, it was 3-1 Angels. So let's start, of course, with game one, where Tyler Anderson somehow picked up the save. (laughs) And his record is now a surprising 3-1 with the 5.62 ERA. How do those numbers work out? Who the hell knows? Uh, the Angels' offense has really bailed him out. The complete opposite of what Patrick Sandoval and Reed Detmers get. Yeah, exactly. It's like reverse splits. Tyler Anderson yeah. gets the reverse the reverse split of offensive how in comparison to Reed Detmers and Patrick Sandoval. Um, quick thought. I'll just do quick thoughts here instead of getting too, too diving in on it. Mm-hmm. Anderson needs to find a way to eliminate the big inning, A. And I think he's just kind of like Otani with the sweeper, leaving that changeup high and dry and executing with two strikes. And I think that goes with all Angels pitchers right now. Execute with two strikes and especially two outs. If you can limit that, you know, Anderson gets the offensive help, so he'll be fine. Uh, Angels in that game. And this will be a trend through all three games from me. Uh, two for eight with runners in scoring position in game one. Yeah. Uh, but Part for the over, course this season. Yeah, part for the course this year. Uh, you know, after a tough road trip in Houston, uh, after that day off Monday, it was good to see the Angels kind of have that rally monkey mentality. On Tuesday, Trout two RBIs. Otani had the home run. 
Um, you know, I, it was good to see just that collective effort come back um, and really start the homestand and the series off on the right foot. Yeah, Justin Anderson didn't have it that night, but the rest of the Angels bullpen did, right? Soriano, uh, was that the day he made his MLB debut? Uh, Soriano, I thought he made it in Houston on Sunday. Okay, he, I think yeah, you're he right. Made it. Yeah, the Angels' bullpen that night included Soriano with a clean inning, who still has a clean inning right now, yep. uh, Webb, Davinsky, and Estevez. And the bullpen combined that night for four shutout innings, three hits, five punchouts. Yeah, the, the the bullpen looked great. That's exactly what you wanted. For a bullpen that struggled throughout various parts of this season, surprisingly, the fact that a lot of the names that we expected, you know, we were hoping Tapera was going to rebound. He's not even in the organization anymore. Nope. Not even on a team right now. You know, Aaron Loop, we were hoping was going to be a big piece. <laughs> Jury's out if he might be able to turn it around. Hey, he had a clean inning game too, but he got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring up a thing on Loop when we get to game two of the series. Oh. But yeah, okay. no, where, where we were in game one, it, it is a good kind of a, we raced our minds of losing three or four to the Astros and we escaped the house of pain with the Sunday day game victory, barely. And, you know, forget about it. We had an off day to enjoy SoCal. And again, this we talked about this all year long. Take advantage of the games you need to take advantage of. The Cubs are slumping right now. They have lost three in a row. They've lost, I think, five of their last seven or something. And they go out and take a game one victory. That's exactly how you wanted to set the tone. So now let's talk game two. So game two... Uh, was an interesting game. It was six to two for uh, in favor of our Angels. Now that game was started by Jaime Berea. Jaime Berea, in my world, is slowly starting to creep into a potential All Star game consideration uh, because <laughs> he's been able to perform as a bullpen piece and as a starter. His ERA is one point eight five after this start. I don't. I, I would love if Berea got in there. I don't. Oh, think he, will he, will. he will not. He will not. He will not because a a it's in Seattle, and you know Seattle, the less amount of Angels there, you know they already have to deal with Otani and Trout. Um, but I, I think Estevez at this point is probably going to get in. He has Estevez, to get in at this if, point. If if Davinsky had been doing what he'd been doing since opening day, if he was with the Angels active roster, mm. I think he'd get a consideration as well. But digression. Um. Jaime Berea, we, we touched upon it just a moment ago. Keep him in the rotation. I love him. I, I like him. He gets innings. He'll go five, six innings. That's what the Angels need. And what what more can you ask for? Let A quality start of less than three runs? Give me that all day long. I don't care who's pitching. Give me a quality start each and every day and let the pitching do their thing. Yep. Uh, the bullpen... Also looked great in this game. Ben Joyce ended up getting the win because obviously Jaime Berea left, got no decision. Aaron Loop got hit around pretty hard, like a point apart gigolo. <laughs> Mike, Mike Trout was able to bail him out uh, with uh, two pretty decent plays there where he had to cover a lot of ground in center field. Yeah. Sam Bachman was able to prevent the rest of the bullpen from having to work. He gave us two innings. That's the beauty in having a starter, a young starter, in that back end there to secure the win for us. The other thing, Mickey Moniak. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You blow my mind. <laughs> Stayed hot. Uh, and everybody on Angels Twitter was talking about like, well, there's no way in hell that Phil Nevin 
is going to yeah. be able to bench Mickey Moniak. So I posted the gif of Vince McMahon walking out. Yeah, And I exactly. posted, oh, this is going to be Phil Nevin benching Mickey Moniak. Well, Lo and behold. <laughs> well, you knew that was happening, especially when they announced yes. yesterday that Joe Adele was getting the start today. You knew with Ward playing, you know, another lefty on the hill today. Yeah. Ward was starting, Joe, you know, that whole situation. Fun fact about Aaron Loop, since his return from the IL on May 22nd against the Red Sox, he has yielded three earned runs in five and the third innings pitch with a total of two, three, four, five, six, seven hits and two, four strikeouts. So not great. But not, not terrible. <laughs> yeah, one of my one of my favorite Mel Brooks movies of all times, History of the World Part One. Uh, as Don DeLuise, as Caesar once said, it's nice, not thrilling, but nice. You know, yeah. it, it's like okay, he did his business. He didn't wreck the game. So it's almost like this time of you know this time of the season and an era of Aaron the Aaron Loop era. If he doesn't screw up a game, it's a win. Yeah, it's good enough for me. <laughs> it's good enough for me, and especially with other reliable pieces in the bullpen. It's not like we're entrusting Aaron Loop in a one-run game in the ninth inning against the heart of an opposing team's order. Well, you never know with philosophy. Maybe today's the day. Like, oh, we're going to put him in there. He's getting the save today. You know, in that game, Luis Renjifo comes up big with the solo blast, Mm -hmm. RBI single, two for eight. The Angels once again are with runners in scoring position. So four for 16 through the first two games of the series for the Cubs. Um. That number will get a little elongated when we talk about game three because I already looked at the box score, and boy, oh, boy, it's not great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's real quick talk about um, Renjifo while well, you brought him up. Okay. So his season average isn't very sexy at all. He's batting 227 through 150 at-bats exactly. But yeah. in his last seven games, he's batting 400. So has he done enough lately to prove that he belongs up here? Or are we having a conversation about David Fletcher needing to come up? Who I know you haven't been a crazy big David Fletcher guy lately, but the guy is batting, you know, what, 320 right now in Triple Yeah, I, I haven't been a huge Luis Renjifo fan all season long. Uh-huh. Um, and again, I, I, I touched upon this, especially when we've had our offseason conversations. Two years ago, when Walsh had a big 21 season and we betted on him having a big 2022. It didn't work out. Yep. Renjifo has a big 2022 season. We're betting on him to have a big 2023 and it's not panning out fully. Every time we try to bet on somebody to recreate a massive season. Case lighting in the bottle again. Yeah, exactly. So for Renjifo, I thought his trade value was as as high as it was going to be this past off season. And they didn't pull the trigger especially with all the utility infielder moves that they made with Urshela Drury now. And again, that was, we weren't even talking about Zach Neto coming up this season. So that was a surprise that kind of threw a wrench into some plans. So looking at it from a objective mindset, now to put a little asterisk on it for a minute, David Fletcher did come out of uh, two nights ago with a little hamstring tightness in Salt Lake. We all thought he was potentially coming up not Joe Adele. Yeah. Well, because um, everybody was reporting originally that it wasn't injury related. Yeah. So it is injury related, but I don't think mm-hmm. it was anything serious. So, you know, 
It's hard to say. Renjifo has, I don't believe, any more options. Oh, no, that's Suarez. Suarez doesn't have any more options. But Renjifo's been up and down the train before. He can't have many, if yeah, any he, at all. Again, he can't have many as well. So Fletcher has a little more availability in that situation, especially with two or three years remaining on a contract. So, you know, I, I guess because they're getting hot at the right time as we talk about this right now, it's status quo business as usual when they get into their next slump it'll be a topic of conversation again it, it, again it's one of those situations where right when you think it's time to make a move they find a way to pull off a seven to ten game stretch of batting 350 and above and and saving games and doing things the right way so that's why I always feel when I yell at my tv and say you're not doing enough and then they happen to get on a hit streak like Taylor Ward's now on an eight game hit streak yeah I feel I feel vindicated I feel great. I feel responsible for good things happening. There you go. <laughs> but I mean, that's what you want. You want to be the next guy up mentality, right? It's somebody yeah. behind you breathing down your neck, you know, like, oh, man, you're starting to hear the footsteps of, you know, hey, David Fletcher's doing well back there. Hey, Joe, what else hot? Like, hey, I, you know, these guys are producing down there. They're waiting to come up and I'm struggling. You want to heat up, right? That's how it should be. Healthy competition in a clubhouse, in an organization, yeah should be a good thing these guys are athletes these guys are competitors they should just want to be better naturally but if that's not enough they should want to be better because if not you're about to go down to triple a and you know have to survive off of that money yeah you know david fletcher's living the last luxury here because he's getting paid his major league salary at yeah, the exactly level. so i'm pretty sure he's buying a lot of the team dinners every so often but, but a guy like adele you know there's a big difference between making I don't know what the what it is now because I know they just unionized. Uh, yeah. I know it would have been the you know the the twenty thousand. Obviously, he was well. He, I think he made a hundred thousand at least because he's in the forty man. Forty man guys, I think get a hundred thousand minimum. It's anyway. a, yeah, when you're on the forty man, you get a little almost like a bonus at the yes. end of the day. But yes. either way, having players, you know, healthy competition breathing down your neck, and even guys that aren't at the AAA level, like I'm pretty sure Gio Rochella playing so well is making Renhefo look back and saying, okay, if I screw up, Urshel is going to get more time. Healthy competition is not a bad thing. So David Fletcher, keep doing your thing. I, I see Fletcher coming back at a certain point, maybe because you're not going to let that $15 million a year just sit at AAA. That makes no sense. I think he's only getting eight. Well, because it was, or maybe, yeah, maybe, because or fi there's $15 million remaining over the last three years of his deal. Yes, and right. then how it's broken out, $8 million, yes. If I, you know, again, I'm not claiming to be mad. But yes, exactly. You don't want, you know, that much money sitting at the AAA level. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But Renhefo, you know, save the day. The Angels bullpen, as we already talked about, did a good job um, helping out Jaime Berea. And it was a good overall victory. Again, comeback fashion in a way. You, you get the lead. The next half inning, you give it up or give up the tie. But then the offense, again, was able to, to work through that. So you said AAA level. Let's talk about a man who was sent down in the middle of last year's season, Reed Detmers. So okay. Reed Detmers got his first win of the year, which is miraculous that it took him so long. Obviously, not really on him, more so on the offense. I said it on the pregame show today. I said, could this be the day against the Cubs? I didn't even say, please make it be the day. I said, go out and get it. And he go out and he got it. So yep, again, fine. my ego's getting inflated. I'm taking it. I'm taking the wins today. I'm, I'm vindicated. Nothing wrong with taking some dubs, some well-deserved dubs when you're calling them. So he's now one and five, but today 5.2 innings pitch, five hits, one earned run. 
Uh, he only walked two, which is good. Reed Detmers has had a little bit of command issues lately. Yes. Clearly not the case today. And eight strikeouts, which is nice to see because he has not been a strikeout pitcher this year. No, he had a 12 strikeout performance a couple of starts ago, which was nice to see. But, you know, anything above six has been miraculous for him this season. Absolutely. Now, his season ERA is still 4.79, which would let you know that it was much higher given the <laughs> fact that he only gave up one earned run today. And he was bailed out by Davinsky today. Yes, Davinsky coming in clutch once again. For for Reed Detmers, it, 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 for me, just like a lot the rest of the starting rotation for the Angels right now, two strikes with two outs, get the out. Get to the dugout. You cannot give up that situational for the other team. You know, yeah. I get it. There's a two-out single in a left field, and then a wild pitch gets away from Chad Wallach, and then a Trey Mancini uh, single, you know, puts the Cubs on the board, uh, one nothing in the in the top of the second inning. So a little tough luck if the wild pitch doesn't happen. It's probably first and second two outs, and who knows what can happen. But for Reed Detmers, I think that's a confidence issue for him. Again, I, I talked about this with Todd, and I talked a little bit with David on the last two podcasts. A lot of the Angels, especially Reed Detmers, is reminding me a little bit, and Tyler Anderson, like an Andrew Heaney. They would get that two strikes, they would get the two outs, but they would kind of have a choke moment and start giving up those two-out rallies, and that's that's got to be where it stops. You know, when you get that second out, go get out number three and get back to the bench. Don't Don't nibble around the corner. You know, go be a shark. Don't nibble, just go for the kill. Yeah, they don't trust the defense behind them, clearly. Patrick Sandoval and Reed Demerth have both been trying to get that third strikeout, you know, that third pitch strikeout single-handedly. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they feel like they need to be the guys to get it done because they don't trust the defense behind them. And you can tell that they're trying to do too much to get strike three. Yeah, and, you know, Reed Demers, if if this is a situation where he can have starts like this, for him, Reed Detmers is a guy every Angel starter should be going five innings every time they go out there. I get it. There's always a game where it just doesn't work out and you're going to get bounced in the third inning or some weird stuff happens. But there is nothing in this Angels starting rotation that calls to me that says, this guy is not a five innings guy. There is no, right now in the current Angel starting rotation, there are no Jose Suarez's where I say, if we can get out of the third inning, I will be thrilled tonight. These guys can easily go five, six innings. We've seen every pitcher do that at one point or another this season. If you can do that, that makes the bullpen stronger because they're not taxed. It's simple mathematics. I know it's a different thing from saying it and looking at it on paper and doing it, and we're not the ones doing it. But as the the fans and the media that talk about this, we know the caliber of these players. Five innings should not be hard. You, no. you, you, no, not at all. And I, I'm looking at the Angels' projections. Uh, Reed Detmers' next start would be Wednesday in Texas against our good old buddy Andrew Heaney. Ooh, there you go. That'll be yeah. a, a fun matchup there. Yeah, I know. I, you know, it's going to be a very interesting scenario. You know, we talk about the Houston Astros being a house of pain for us. Globe Life Field has been a house of pain for the Angels since, since its opening uh, in 2020. So, yeah. Reed Detmers, I'm happy that he got the dub tonight. Again, against the Cubs, you finished off the sweep. This was a this was this was an Angels team 
that needed a sweep. They needed something like this to really galvanize them before a big AL West matchup this weekend against the Mariners, who are struggling this season. You heard Jerry DePoto today getting one player, and I and you knew he was kind of talking about Otani a little bit because he said one one high price multi hundred million dollar you know six hundred million dollar player is not going to change our complexion of our team right now. And I'm like, tampering. Are we talking tampering charges here? Yeah. But but you know Seattle is scuffling right now. They're they're below the Angels, fourth in the American League. So Reed Detmers, even though he's not going to pitch against Seattle, he really needs to take what he did tonight, finish off batters. Because if you can't finish off batters with two outs in Texas, they could be scoring 14, 15, 16 runs that night. Absolutely. So you brought up Seattle. Let's talk a little bit about the upcoming series. So Friday, yeah. you already mentioned the matchup to start the show. It was Luis Castillo, who's 4-3 and three with a 2.55 ERA and 82 Ks versus our Shoei Otani, who's 5-2 and two with a 3.30 ERA and 96 strikeouts. Now, one last time, let me remind you guys, you can find this game on our YouTube being covered by Dominic Todd and myself. Dominic is going to be doing play-by-play. So make sure to check that out on our YouTube on friday june 9th it'll be uh it'll start at about six o'clock pacific time for the pregame make sure to listen in throughout the entire game for live coverage and at the very end for the post game so what do you anticipate do you think the angels pull this game out you know it's it, honestly it's really going to be up to shohei otani what kind of day is he going to have on the bump because you know luis castillo it's he, he dominated against the Angels back the first week of the year when the Angels fell to the Mariners by that final of 11-2, to that bad Jose Suarez start, that, that tough loss in Seattle. Um, if Otani can give the Angels six innings and not allow a home run tomorrow, if he gives up a couple of runs, okay, it just can't be via the home run ball. Keep a couple pitches intact. You know, he has faced Seattle numerous times. Bring back the splitter, and he's going to have to be on his A game. He cannot be the Shohei Otani over the last seven starts. I think the world is going to revolve around Shohei Otani tomorrow. The offense has been doing well. They're they're hitting not with runners in scoring position. They were 0 for 10 today, 4 for 26 over the entire three game set against the Cubs. Which, if you're doing the math at home, a 154 batting average with runners in scoring position that cannot happen uh, the rest of the way for the Halos, but. I really think it's going to revolve around Shohei Otani. Um, Trout, this could be a good series for Trout. He always hits against Seattle very, very well, especially at the Big A. Um, he could have a nice little jumpstart series. Um, yeah, I think really, I hate to play the obvious card, but I think this series and Friday night's game is going to revolve around Trout and Otani. They need to be the ones that ride the ship and get it in the right direction, especially Otani on the bump. I think the Angels pull this game out. I think it's a pitcher's duel. I think it's a 2-1 type game. I think all three runs are scored very early. We're talking the first, second inning. And I think maybe like Otani gives up a, a solo shot, you know, early in the first inning. I think he buckles down. But uh, I think this is going to be a pitcher's duel, and I think the Angels are going to pull this game out. I think Otani is going to finally make the adjustment. He's going to stop using the sweeper as much. I think he's going to go back more to a fastball change up splitter type of situation. Yeah. I think the rest, and, and, and I think that goes for the rest of the series as well. 
This is you don't play your divisional teams as much anymore with the new yeah. schedule realignment of playing everybody at least once. So the Angels haven't, you know, the Angels team that was in April and that matchup in those three games in Seattle is completely different from right now in June. Two months of baseball has gone on, and both teams are very different. The Angels right now are coming into this game on a four-game winning streak, four games above 500, which is great. Seattle is under 500, I believe, at this point, and they're scuffling at this time. So it's going to be a, a, a tale of two different seasons right now, and the Angels need to, as I said a moment ago about the pitching, they need to be sharks. Don't nibble. Go for the kill. Go for the jugular. And do not give the Seattle Mariners any opportunity to fight back in this series. Because you already know, next week, four games in Texas. Start padding your numbers. Start padding your record before getting to Texas. Take advantage because Texas has to play, or Houston, I think it's Texas, has to go to Tampa Bay this weekend. So mm. if we can get a little help from Tampa Bay and we execute, let's say we win at least two of three from the Mariners, that can be very helpful going in. And if the Angels get lucky, let's say take three or four, you know, God forbid we sweep Texas, this could be a turning of the tide in the season. Yeah, and then that's when we're talking about a completely different team, right? Because we're talking about a team that just either won three or four or swept the division leader. And that's what creates winning cultures, right? Not only are you beating the teams you should be, but now – you're playing good baseball because you're playing teams that nobody expected you to beat or especially not sweet. But um, I definitely think that we're going to get a rally Chris special here against Seattle. <laughs> I'm calling two out of three. Yeah. You're looking at the standing up to the minute standings right now, after the angels three, one win over the Cubs, Texas, I, I misspoke earlier, did not play today. They had a travel day from Texas to Tampa. So we gain a half game. Houston did lose. They lose three of four to the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, Texas in first, Houston five back. We are seven and a half back. Seattle, I want to say, is still playing right now. They are a game under 500, 10 games back. So we have a two and a half game cushion lead. And as I look here, Seattle did not play today. So that so basically the standings are finalized going into tomorrow's game. So the Angels have an opportunity here again if they get a little help from the Tampa Bay Rays and looking at that Texas Tampa series, Heaney versus Glass now, Eovaldi against Bradley and Perez against McClanahan. Those are going to be some really really good pitching matches. You know, wow. I was too bad Glass now or McClanahan was not going against Eovaldi. Unfortunately, looking at the Angels Rangers matchup. Uh, we are going to have to face Eovaldi, the final game of that four-game set, and it's supposedly right now going to be against Shohei Otani. Some good ratings there, huh? So Otani's next two starts are going to be primetime Apple TV and FS1. Otani, these are the, the this is where he's if he wants to make some money, Otani needs to figure this out, and this is going to be this is a huge momentum swing for the Angels. It can go really good or it could be really bad. For the Angels, they have Tyler Anderson going in game one against Texas, followed by Berea, Detmers, and Otani. So I don't want to say do or die because the Angels are you know not that far away in the American League uh, wild card standings, just two and a half games back of the Astros. This is go time. If the Angels, you know, Trout's been talking about it. Rendon's talking about it. 
win those 15 games. We are better than what we've been playing. We can keep up with Houston. We're just not putting their nail in their coffin. Show me. Show me and do it. You have next seven games are against AL West opponents. You don't see them that often. The next time the Angels will face an AL West opponent after the Texas Rangers series, I'm going to swap it back here, will be not until after the All-Star break. Okay. They will see. They will see. It will be coming right out of the All Star break. That first series, that big homestand, that will feature three with the Astros, three with the Yankees, three with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So you're going to have about a month or a good three and a half weeks without seeing your division. These seven games, if the Angels can go five out of seven, that will be a nice. That'll be good. That will be good. No matter what, this will be a game, a stretch of seven games where we look at at the very end of September when we're trying to figure out if this is a playoff team or not. These seven games are going to tell us almost everything we need to know about the future of this season for the Angels. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, no doubt about it. Like I said, a rally curse special of two out of three and even a sweep of the Mariners this weekend would be absolutely huge. Well, time will tell. Uh, real quick, just the last uh, pitching matchups for anybody wondering. Brian Wu, who I pitched, or who I watched pitch on Saturday against um, Texas, man, that man got lit up. He's going <laughs> up against Patrick Sandoval, and that's for game two. And then game three will be Bryce Miller, who is three and three with the 4.46 ERA, going up against Griffin Canning, who is four and two with the 4.47 ERA. Coming off of two pretty solid starts, his last start was was pretty good, and the one before that was one of the best of his career. So we'll see what happens with that. But like I said, Rally Chris special is what I am predicting. Bare um, minimum. Yeah. Bare minimum. Bare minimum. A sweep would be great. Yeah. Um, that's going to do it in terms of primary things to cover. Dominic, do you have anything else besides, you know, us getting to our, our wrap up here? No, I think we covered a lot of good things here on the episode uh, tonight. Uh, like I said, when you guys are listening to this episode, it's going to be Friday morning, June the 9th, tonight. We're having the live stream broadcast of the Angels versus Mariners game. It's on Apple TV. You can have it on, put it on mute, listen to myself, Todd, and Fernando. We're going to be giving you all the play-by-play, color commentary. Pre- and post-game show are included as well. Everything starts at 6 o'clock on the Halos in the Infield YouTube channel. So come along. We want your questions. We want your commentary. We want your fun. We want your crazy. Not too crazy, but we want your fun personalities out there as well. And I Keep know your Fernando, clothes on, crazies. That, there we go. We're going streaking, folks. Let's go. Um, but I know Fernando, even though you won't be here for this one, Saturday is a big day for Halos in the infield as well. Yes, I, I didn't know if you were going to finish. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We'll be at Noble Ale Works, so make sure to come on out. It is in Anaheim, close to the stadium. If you aren't going to the game that night, come on out and hang out for the pregame, the, you know, to watch the game on the TVs there, and then for the postgame live with Todd Fox and others from the Hitty Group and the Hitty Umbrella as well. So look yep. forward to seeing all of your beautiful faces there at Noble on Saturday. Of course, we have the tailgate on July 1st. I'll be driving out there for that. So, oh, driving? 
Oh my goodness gracious. I have to go get my brand new car smog tested in California because it's <laughs> registered in California. So yeah, I'll be driving from Texas the 22 hours over to the big A. I've made that drive before. I know it well in my mind. Good luck, my friend. Yeah, I've, this has been my third and then fourth time to making that drive when I come back. So not right. looking forward to it, but I am looking forward to seeing all of you guys at the tailgate. Um, if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, make sure to do it soon. They're only available till June 25th. They only have 150 left. I want to say we're getting somewhat close to getting near the end. I know for sure we've already hit the triple digit mark. Yeah, I got to go get mine ASAP. Yeah, that I know we hit the triple digits, so I know we're getting pretty close to the end there. Um, so it's $55. $55 to get your helmet nachos, tacos, a ticket, a bobblehead, uh, some beer specials, free parking at Noble, and, of course, you get to hang out with all of us. Oh, and you also get Thundersticks, all for the great price of $55. And you're going to meet Halo Honk the Clown. What more could you want? <laughs> This is going to be one wild tailgate on July 1st. Angels and Diamondbacks. It's supposedly going to be a sold-out crowd or, or near capacity for the bobblehead night. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, the tickets are going to be great. The package is great. We're going to be sitting, I believe, in is, it's the right field pavilion, right? 137, yep. Yeah. 137. So not quite the wall, but in that little corner area, it's going to be fantastic. Who, who doesn't want to spend a nice free 4th of July celebration with, with all of us? Yeah, I'm hoping to go to that uh, 4th of July game in San Diego also because that'll be my last day before I drive back to Texas. So we shall see. Yes. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for the support. Make sure to follow us on all of our social medias uh, and for uh, Catella Chronicles as well. One last thing I want to say that I'll go ahead and announce now. Stay tuned for some more details. Obviously, all of us here under the Hitty umbrella care very much about the community and future projects but i do want to start hinting at our newest project and our newest endeavor for those of you guys who don't know we partnered with a local special needs group of kids uh we sponsored them and their baseball team and that was kind of an under the radar thing we did we did that we didn't ask for donations we did that out of our pockets and that was fun that was rewarding the kids are loving it i hear good things from todd that's going to be a video uh, that we do as well just for our community outreach and so people know that their money when they do donate actually goes to these causes but the biggest project that we're doing this year is hoping to donate hundreds of backpacks to needy kids in san bernardino we're partnering with the inland empire 66ers to what extent that's still being worked out behind the scenes but they have agreed to help us we're going to be doing a raffle this year Right now, the thought process is that a ticket will be $2, and we're going to be raffling off tons of prizes, including one of my Mike Trout signed baseballs. I have four of them. I've always said that I was going to give one to the page when the time was right. And I can't think of a better reason than to give one of my Mike Trout signed baseballs. One of my babies. Yep. One of his kids is being sent off. Exactly. To hopefully a you know a, a good listener a loyal listener of not only our show but Catella Chronicles and soon to be the box score as well but um yeah we'll announce more on that as the details come out but stay tuned for that like I said we're hoping to do a lot to raise money to help some needy families in San Bernardino get backpacks and school supplies this year 
Super excited for that. The best way to find out and stay up to date, well, follow us on our social medias, people. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And while you're at it, you got to check out our friends over at Catella Chronicles. They're not only part of the umbrella, but they care just as much about the community. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, you know, as always, Twitter and Instagram, at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. And you can check out all the articles I've personally written, as well as every single podcast episode we've done on our website, www.catellachronicles.wordpress.com. And also give us a like, comment, and subscribe on our YouTube page as well. Well, on behalf of Dominic and I, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you guys for our live stream and for plenty more content on Halos in the infield. Have a great day, everybody. Cheers.